so we're diving into the Word of God. We're back to our series of 1 John. And so with this, may I invite the congregation to please stand as reverence to the Word of God. We will be reading from the first epistle of John, chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version and read with me as I read these words. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the word of the Lord. May he be worshipped and praised by its reading. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Open our hearts, open our minds as we study, as we deep dive into your word. Teach us. Be with us. Speak to your people today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's all be seated. Uh, we're very thankful to the message brought to us by Brother Bong last week. Um, it presented the truth in Ecclesiastes that uh, indeed we need and it's imperative to us to enjoy life uh, because Life is a gift from God. Uh, but when we enjoy life, we need to enjoy it in the light of God's Word, in the light of His truth and His love, not in sin and in disobedience. And that's a wonderful reminder to all of us. I remember um, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors. I love that man. He makes the ordinary, extraordinary, the banal, beautiful. Um, C.S. Lewis said this, and I really... I love this line. It resonates with what Brother Bong had shared last week. Joy, according to C.S. Lewis, joy is a serious business of heaven. God is for our joy. And so, how do we find that joy? How do we arrive at that joy? How do we express that joy? That joy can only be expressed, can only be found in Christ and obedience to Him. And so, indeed, uh, the reminder last week really resonated with that thought also by C.S. Lewis. And thank you, Brother Bong, for bringing us that message. And going back to our series today, we've just read First uh, John chapter 5, verse 1 to 5, and we will continue uh, in the coming weeks. Um, we have uh, read this many, many times in the first epistle of John. By the way, there are no three, no three Johns there. The first letter, the second letter, and the third letter. First John, second John, and third John. And so, um, we, will, uh, we have read this over and over again in the text. Born of God. What does it mean to be born of God? What is the best proof that you've been born? Let me perhaps give you this story. How many of you, I'll ask this question, how many of you, before you've had your passport, you have problems with your birth certificate? You do not have a birth certificate before. Anyone? My mom has no birth certificate. And we've discovered that when she's about to migrate to the United States. Um, she was able to acquire business. She was able to live her life all her life only to find out that she doesn't have a birth certificate. And how tragic that could be to a person that you will proceed and go to your local civil registrar and say, I want to prove that I was born. That's true. Because the proof that you have been born is that you have a certificate a birth certificate, certificate of live birth. Imagine my mother going to the local civil registry to tell that, by the way, prove, I want to prove to you that I am alive. I was born. And probably many of you could relate. Not only that you don't have a birth certificate, some of you perhaps have 
uh, error or discrepancies in your birth certificate. I have one good friend of mine. In her birth certificate, she was a male. And so she told me, could you please help me? I was studying law that time. I said, could you please help me? My birth certificate says that I'm a male. But I said, but you're not a male. No, 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 I'm a female. And so after some time, of course, this very good friend of mine married and we were uh, in her wedding. And I told the husband, please do check in your first night because years back, your wife told me that she was formerly male. Um, of course, of course, the, she's really a female. But I was just telling that, that what, what, because these, what we, these things are true and this is what we'll be talking about. What does it mean to be born? Do you need to go to the local civil register to tell the person to the local civil registry that you're born? What does it mean to be born of God? And John wrote this epistle to the church to remind the believers that they were indeed born of God. And as a reminder, uh, this epistle of John, as you know, and I've, we've told you about this, this was written to a wounded, hurt church. Wounded, shaken by false teachers. Their doctrine was so wrong that it affected their relationships and their view of who Jesus is. And that is why doctrine, belief is very important. Faith is very important because imagine believing a truth that is actually a lie. Imagine living a truth that is actually a lie. Imagine believing a concept, living out a concept that is actually destructive. In fact, Epistle of John, John is writing, uh, wrote this epistle to a wounded church, to a church that was deeply hurt, shaken by false belief. And that is why when you read the epistle of John, uh, John kept reminding them of who Jesus is and who are they for each other. And what are they for each other? And I've mentioned here that they have belief in dualism. Pastor Well uh, taught us that. That whatever I do with my body is okay. Because anyway, this is just the body. I could indulge in sinful pleasures and my soul won't get affected. And of course, out of that, they also believe that Jesus is not God. And so that affected their view of each other, their view of themselves, and their view of who Jesus is. And so John addressed this epistle to this wounded church. How do they know that they were born of God? So John is not just merely telling them to look for tests, or they, John is not asking them to test themselves, not just that. But John was telling them this, Look for evidence. And I've mentioned here in this pulpit, um, if Christianity is a crime and you're arrested for being a Christian, will there be enough evidence to convict you? Remember, how can you be convicted of a crime? If there is a proof beyond reasonable doubt, meaning there should be no doubt that you're a Christian. So if Christianity is a crime, do you think you'll be convicted of the crime of Christianity. I hope that we will be. And so John, going back to this text, address them, assure them of what it means to be born of God. And in fact, in the Gospel of John, and you know this, this is a memory verse, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, it reads, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The crucial word here is yet to all who did receive him. I did not study Greek. It was the, uh, it is the uh, uh, territory of Pastor Well. But looking into the Greek, researching about it, yet to those, to all who did receive him. Receive in Greek, I've realized and I've discovered, is called elabon. Receive, accepted, 
believed. And when you receive something, you do not just receive it and just hold on to it. Just, okay, I received it. And keep it away. Or just lay it aside. Elabon has an object. When you receive something, what will you do with that something that you have received? Elabon, meaning when you receive something, you receive it to obey it, you receive it to hold on to it, you receive it for you to just embrace it and grasp it. Elabon, receive it. And I bring you to that point because all of us Christians, we are taught and we do, I do, and I lead people to the sinner's prayers. We ask this, will you please come pray with me and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Now, this is the tragic thing whenever we ask people of that. Now, I ask people to receive Christ in their hearts because I believe that they need to confess their belief in Jesus Christ. Uh, they need to pray and to uh, confess their belief. They need to uh, uh, repent of their sins, and surrender their life to Christ through that prayer. So I'm not against it. But you see, receiving Jesus Christ, that sinner, sinner's prayer, is not a mantra prayer. Because if that is the mantra prayer, if that is the way to salvation, this is my suggestion. Let's just print a thousand copies of it, distribute it to all people, and tell people, just recite that prayer. I receive Jesus' glory and Lord and Savior in my heart, da, 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 and you will be saved. No, you will never be saved that way. That is why when we ask people to receive Jesus Christ in their heart, what will be the first step that we need to do? We need to explain to them the gospel. You cannot just ask people to receive Jesus Christ in their hearts. Why? Because they need to understand what they're receiving. Elabon. They need to understand that receiving Christ is not just merely reciting a prayer, a prepared prayer. That when you say, I receive you as my Savior, as my Lord, it means wholeheartedly, fully, passionately, devotedly surrendering, offering my life to you. That is what we should teach people whenever we say, will you come and pray with me to receive Jesus Christ in your heart? Elabon. And this is what John is trying to say and trying to clarify in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. That there are three things here that are going. He's saying here that your faith is not a step. It's not about faith and then love and then obedience. And obedience and then faith is a... It's intertwined. In like a, this Venn diagram that I'm presenting here, it's intertwined. I, in, in other English words, it's called inextricably linked. It's indivisible. It's one another. You cannot take just faith without loving. You cannot just love without obedience. You cannot just obey without faith and without love. They're inextricably linked. Being born of God is having faith. Being born of God is being able to love. Being born of God is being able to obey Him. You cannot take one and disregard the others. It has to be together. These three things presented these realities are presented by John. They are inextricably linked. They are intertwined. They go together. And so, the first thing when we read First uh, uh, John chapter 5, it says here, everyone, and let's go to the first reality, the reality of faith. It says here, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes, everyone who has faith, everyone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ has been born of God. Faith. Faith that confesses that Jesus is the Messiah and obeying in love. I say that faith. Everyone who believes. Now, I want to go back to what we're saying a while ago regarding receiving Jesus Christ. Now that we know what it means to receive Jesus Christ. When we say, I am born of God, I have faith in Jesus Christ, what is that faith? Faith is not just confessing alone, although I've used this term, confess. When you say you confess, 
your faith in Jesus Christ, do you truly, absolutely, wholeheartedly, passionately, devotedly, devotedly surrendered your life to Christ as if it is He is everything to you? That's what it means to surrender to Jesus Christ. That's why I, I've spoken to a Christian and said, you know, brother, I've already received Jesus Christ in my heart. Oh, this person has received Jesus Christ. Why are they like that? I said, have they truly received Jesus Christ? What do you mean by receiving Jesus Christ? Because you pray the sinner's prayer? Have they understood the gospel? Or when they pray that sinner's prayer, they understood that when I receive Jesus, it means wholeheartedly, passionately, devotedly, through and through, surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. And we would pray that. We would say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and personal Savior. There's nothing wrong with those words. But I just want us not to fall into the crack and let us save truth from familiarity. We say that. I receive you as my Lord and personal Savior. It is as if we have privatized Christianity. There's nothing wrong. You should have, when we say personal Lord and Savior, what does it mean? Just me? On when I say personal, I mean it's me and everything about me. It's everything now about Christ. It's everything now about Jesus. What does it mean to confess that Jesus is your Savior? Let me put this in this analogy. When you say Jesus and you confess that Jesus is your Messiah, it means these are the implications. Let me suggest you a few things. You are assured not only of your eternal life, not only the assurance of forgiveness because Jesus died for your sins. And I think more importantly, when you say Jesus Christ and you confess that Jesus Christ is your Messiah, He is your Savior, you owe your life to Him. And then therefore, if you owe your life to this person, it's the other way around. My life is already yours. That is what it means to receive Jesus Christ in your heart. Have you truly, truly confessed in your heart, received Jesus Christ in your heart? Not a privatized Christianity, but you say, I received you in my heart. I have wholeheartedly, devotedly, passionately, ardently, through and through, surrender my life to you. That it means everything about me, everything that I have is yours. That is what it means to accept Jesus. We thought accepting Jesus is just praying the sinner's prayer. We're putting the service to that prayer, to be honest. Whoever invented that prayer is now being deserved uh, because of our misunderstanding now. What do you mean and what does it mean really to confess that in your heart? To have faith. And Apostle uh, uh, John was saying this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Have faith. And when we say faith, I do not just mean a concept. I mean, and I would uh, uh, mean that or define that as a reality in your life. Faith. Do you really receive Jesus Christ in your heart? Knowing full well, what does it mean? Elabon. Receive? Okay, I receive it. Okay, give. Set it aside. Already received Jesus Christ in my heart. Is that what Jesus, receiving Jesus Christ really means? So it means what uh, John was saying here, when you are born of God, you would have this faith. Passionate, ardent, wholehearted belief in Jesus Christ, living it out for Jesus Christ. In other words, and let me say this, faith in Jesus requires a confession to truly believe and wholly receive and live out. We always keep saying that here, and I will not get tired of that. Live out. It can never be a privatized Christianity. I'm borrowing the words of David Platt. If there's one book that you would have to read this month, read this. Um, Radical, I forgot now. I'm sorry, David. David Platt, um, Following Jesus. Yeah, I'll give you. It's a wonderful book. 
it could never be a privatized Christianity. Live it out. Live out the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior, the atonement for our sins, the Lamb of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the true God and eternal life. And we would always say this when we pray that sinner's prayer. Very beautiful words. Say, I accept you as my Lord and personal. Be the Lord of my life. You know, this is the truth. Whether or not you say that the Lord, Jesus, will still be the Lord of life, whether you like it or not. He will be sovereign whether you accept it or not. He will go to the sinner's heart and change that heart of that sinner's and bring it to him. Unless the father draws him, he could not come to Jesus, right? You could not come to God unless the father, the Holy Spirit comes to you. And so therefore, Jesus will be sovereign in your life whether you say it or not. But of course, we say that because that's a recognition that indeed we consider him as a Lord. And I hope those were not just empty words. We need to save truth from familiarity. Very beautiful truth. I receive you in my heart as my Lord and personal Savior, and I accept you and be the Lord of my life. Those are just words. Do we really mean what we mean what, when we say those words? The Lord of my life. God is sovereign in your life whether you say those words or not. Whether you say that in your prayer or not, God will still be sovereign. And it says here, He is only, not only a Savior, but King of kings and Lord of lords in our life. The true God and eternal life. And of course, that's the assurance that First John in uh, chapter uh, 5 verse 11, and this is testimony, a testimony, meaning it's a public confession that God gave us eternal life. And this life is, where can we find this life? In His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That is how easy the formula is. This is the truth. It's either you are in Jesus or you're not in Jesus. There can be no in-between. It's either you truly confess and you have faith in Him that you are truly devoted to Him or you're not. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Whoever has the Son has life. John made it very, very simple to us. And out of that faith, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, that faith has an expression. That faith is expressed in love. And how do we know love? Let, let us read from the text. In that same verse 1, and everyone who loves the Father, if you love the Father, loves whoever has been born of Him. Meaning, if you love the Father, you would love the people born of Him. And who are those people who are born of Him? The children of God. So it means if our faith has a persona, an objective persona, which is who is Jesus Christ, our love for God also has an objective persona, that is others. You see how intertwined that is? How beautiful in a way John argued and presented this as an argument. He says, if your faith has a persona and that is Jesus Christ, your love also has a persona. Your love for God has a persona. That is others. You love His people, born of Him. And in verse 2, it reads, by this, we know that we love the children of God. So, Nanganganak siya. It has a byproduct. We know, sabi ito, we know that we love the children. How do you know that you love the children of God? We know that we love God if we love His children. How do you know you love His children? How do you know you love His children? We obey His commandment. What is the commandment of God? It will go back. Love one another. So it's a cyclical argument. It's not a stage. It's cycle. You can't take one and leave the others. It's buy one, take all. It, winner takes all thing. 
It says here, what does it mean that when we say we love the Father, we love the people of God, we love the children of God, the, those people who are born of Him. How do we know that we love the children of God if we obey His commandment? What is His commandment? To love one another. First John chapter 4, verse 7. In the earlier chapter, we've, we've, we've read this. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You see, John is keep repeating on this. He, because again, he's writing to a wounded church. He's writing to a church that's been greatly divided. It's a divisive church. Everyone and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And he made the formula very simple again. Anyone who does not love, does not love, does not know God. Because God is love. You cannot say, I love God, and you don't love. It's antithetical. It is as if as saying, um, I am in Singapore, but, but this may not be true. I'm in Singapore, but I've never been to Merlion. Something like that. But of course, that's not the real thing. You know, some of you perhaps, like, I could not say I've been in Singapore, but I've never been to, well, I've never been really to uh, SSS. What is that? Uh, USS, yeah. Universal Studio. I've never been there. So going back here, it's very simple. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will obey His commandment. Do you have faith? You would love. How would, you, how would you be able to express that love? How, how do you know that you have love? You have faith. You know, faith, Christianity, is not privatized. I've been telling you that. Because Christianity is very other-centered faith. If you go to other faiths, they will say this, your self-actualization is to discover who you are. People will say that faith or tradition or whatever, say, how do you get your self-actualization? The pinnacle of yourself is this, when you discover who you are. Like Whitney Houston's song, the greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Ganda, diba? Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Would that resonate with our Christian belief? Christianity teaches this, love others. Love others. Because, as we have read in our offertory, Jesus Christ made that ultimate sacrifice. He gave himself to us. We need to imitate that. It's a very other-centric faith. It's not about our self-actualization. It's not about you because in Christianity, this is what we're teaching. Your worth, your value, your dignity is deeply founded and deeply rooted in your Savior. You have faith in Jesus Christ and that faith brings you to that love of God. And I'll just uh, share this to you on how we're going to love one another. Um, as you know, I've worked with the missions, not as a missionary. Uh, I, I work with them in governance, risk compliance. And we visited some of these places. Another vocabulary, Mema, Mema sabi lang. No, uh, I'm sharing this with you because I find this uh, uh, very beautiful. We went to the Pacific Islands. And I find this a culture with an expression of the gospel. A culture that expresses the gospel. Um, I'll, show you, I'll show you this picture. Uh, when you go to Samoa or some of the Pacific Island or in Kiribati, by the way, pronounce daw ito according to the people in Kiribati. It's pronounced as Kiribati, not Kiribati. And how do you call the people in Kiribati? They're not called Kiribatians. <laughs> I told them that. But say, no, we're not Kiribatians, Ray. We are Ikiribas. Oh, dagdag kaalaman. So anyway, so when you go to their place, you would find this. Um, they have a common living room. And they call it in Samoa, they call it Fale. And when you go to Ikiribas or you go to Kiribas, the Ikiribas call it Manieba. This is true to almost all Pacific Islanders. So if you, if you have watched um, Moana, remember they have this 
thing, you go back to the, to the movie and you will see that the little children are being taught inside the fale or inside a manieba. This is the concept of it. The concept in Samoa is we are living together. This is sharing a community. My visitor is also your visitor. And so our lives are intertwined. And I think that's an expression. It's reinforced by the Christian values in the Pacific Islander, Islanders culture. This is what it means to love one another. We are part of that one community. My life is intertwined with yours. My visitor is also your visitor. Your pain is also my pain. What we do in the community will all be shared there. And that's why they fix their net, they welcome guests inside a fale or inside a manieva. So their children, if you will look mostly, for, for instance, in Ikirivas in, the, in, in Manieba, their houses are surrounding the Manieba. And so the little children will see what their elders are doing. So for me, it's a form of discipleship. I'm not teaching you how to, or just telling you how to fix a net. I will teach you by looking, just looking at you to see the Manieba in the Fale. They're very open, right? Not, of course, it's a a very tropical, you know, uh, island. But this is for the people, for all the houses to see who are inside the Manieba and who are inside the Fale. This is what they're trying to say. We are a community. My life is intertwined with yours. Now, uh, what a different concept when you go to a Western theology or a Western thought. Western thought would be like this. My life is my life. Don't Meddle with it. Good in a way at a point, but perhaps I believe the expression of a culture in Samoa would be the best expression of what the church should be. People should see what we're doing. Our kids are not a distraction to us. They need to see what they're doing inside our fale. They need to understand. They need to see what we're doing inside our manieba. And so I said, I told my, my friends in the Pacific, I said, you should develop a fale or a manieba theology. That people should see this is about life. Any one of you who have been in Samoa, Tovalu, Nauru, Kiribas? Meron barito? When you go there, please do. I, I will tell my children, we need to go there one of, when, we have, when we have money. But when you go there, Try, try to look at this and discover the beauty of Amanieba. We need to have that Amanieba theology. That my life is intertwined. Hindi mo pwede sabihin, wala kang pakialam sa akin. May pakialam ako sa iyo kasi kapatid kita. I will invest my life to you because I love you. Even in the period of correction, you cannot just correct a brother or a sister. I've been saying that. I've, I've heard this from Ray Artland. In a way, he's saying this. You cannot correct someone you do not love. Otherwise, it will be criticism. Right? Merong mga tao sa ating buhay, kahit na, um, I'm using a vernacular, I'm so sorry for those English speakers. Kahit boljakin tayo talaga, palagang, ano ba namang klase yan? Parang hindi tayo nasasaktan. Why? We know these people love us. Their deepest wounds are very faithful. But there are people, pinuna ka lang, ha? ang sakit-sakit ng kalooban mo, why? You feel that these people don't love you. You cannot criticize, you cannot correct someone that you do not genuinely love. Otherwise, it will be criticism. And look at the Manieba theology. Look at, at the Fali concept. It's open. Everyone could come. My visitor is your visitor. My life is yours. And that's why when, when I was there, um, so I was the visitor of a church, you know? And, um, you know, I'm not, oh, so don't get me wrong. So since that I am not just a visitor of a church, I'm a visitor of the community. At alam nyo ba, I went to a church with a car. I mean, I was driven to it. I was driven uh, to the church. When I returned, alam nyo ang dala ko? Pickup truck. You know why? Everybody, everyone there from the smallest kid to the oldest person gave me a gift. No, I'm not asking for a gift. I'm not asking you to do that to me. No. What's the return say? They are trying to teach inside the manier, but this is how we do it. Everybody. It's a part of their culture. 
beautiful. That is what it means to be community. Why am I saying this? Because my dear brothers and sisters, we are living in the last days. We will be needing each other when the tough gets going and when the rubber hits the road. We will need each other. Let it be said from this pulpit, you will need your neighbor. You will need that brother and sister beside you. I am telling you that. You will need that. Love them. Be honest to them. Let us disciple one another. Let's teach our children. Look at the manieba. Let the children see what we're doing. They are not distraction to us. Let us adopt that very beautiful fale manieba theology as a way, as an expression of our love for each other. And lastly, what is that part of this reality? Faith. That faith is uh, would be expressed in your love. And the reason why you're able to love is because of that your faith. And that love will also produce in us obedience. And in 1 John chapter 5, when we go back to the verse, it says, for everyone, for, for verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, to love one another, to obey Him. Because, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And we will discuss what does it mean by overcoming the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Why is John trying to connect again these dots? Why is it that he's saying that the one who has, uh, the one that has victory here is the one who has overcome the world. And for you to overcome the world, you, have, you must have faith. And with that faith, if you overcome the world, sino lang yung makaka-overcome the world? Yung magko-confess, those people who would confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Because He's trying to link these things together. He's trying to make it intertwined. And we will see the light of this in the earlier chapter in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. It reads, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. What John is trying to tell us this is that if you are born of God, you will not keep on sinning. Now, I don't want you to see that God is very legalistic. In fact, we should see this verse 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 to 10, in this light, in the light of sanctification. What is sanctification? That we are changed from glory to glory. We are sinners being molded, patiently molded by God into holiness. You will not keep on sinning. Why? Because even though sometimes you're struggling with sin, even though it's difficult, even though it's a very slow progress, you will see progress. God will work in your life. And so with God being our sanctifier, if God is patient to us, we need also to be patient with others. Are you patient with your brother or sister? Mga care group ninyo? Patient ba kayo sa kanila? O wag lang silang magkamali? Bakit ganun? Kanina nga eh. Hindi ko sila pinagalitan kahit na nagpi-flicker-flicker yung aming ano, kaninang first service, para na kaming mga disco lights kanina. But it's okay. I'm patient with you. <laughs> yung mic ko nawawala-wala, kaya I was joking. I said, bakit pag ako ang speaker, laging sila yung sound system. But I'm thankful to uh, Brother Richard. He provided now again the... But you see, but that, because that is not a, that, that's not the gospel. We could have a church even without all of these things. If I will just rebuke them, ano ba naman yan? Hindi nyo ginaayos yan. Do I gain a friend? Do I gain a brother? That's not worship is all about. I mean, we could strip all of this and still worship God. Amen? Because the PowerPoint, this very beautiful uh, thing that we have, I'm thankful to God about this, but this is not worship. Worship is your heart. Worship is what you do in your life. So it's okay, but don't do it every time, huh? We should see 1 John chapter 3, verse 19 in the light of sanctification of God. Lahat naman tayo, di ba? Sometimes it's a very slow progress. But are you progressing? 
with your sin. Are you struggling with sin? It's okay. Because if you don't struggle with sin, it means you are from the other side. Why would you struggle if you are friends with them? Right? Are you struggling with sin? Praise the Lord. Struggle more. Persevere more. Don't give up. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Huwag kayong matakot. Huwag kayong manginawa. Lord, I keep... Just keep on praying. Just keep on. Be honest. Let's help each other. Let's be patient with one another. And I also say this. Sometimes when we see people, can we have this as a leader? Can we have this as assistant care group leader? We will say, Ay, okay, I don't want that person. That person doesn't attend. That person doesn't... When we see people, we always see who they are right now. Right? And we base our way of looking at them on what they do now. But God is not like that. God sees your future. I don't see this person as sinful right now. In fact, that is a theology. That is the theology of justification. God sees you as righteous because what God sees in you is not you. What God sees in you is Jesus Christ. And that should give you hope to continue on and to live a life of holiness. Because God will always say, Natumba, bumangon. Nadapa, bangon ulit. Nagkasala, humingi ng tawad, magpatuloy. Why? Because you're justified. God sees holiness, Christ's holiness in you. So I want us to see it that way. You do not practice because you will obey God. But it's a different story if you don't obey God at all. Ibang usapan yun. You might probably on the other side. I say that because the verses, what does it mean to be born of God? You are born of God if you overcome the world. And when we read First uh, John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, why do you say you overcome the world? To overcome the world is to overcome the spirit of Antichrist. And I will just jump from verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, this is a spirit of the Antichrist. Now, Antichrist, of course, those who do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah that does not believe in Jesus. But Antichrist represents so much more. Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist represents anything that is against the teaching, the beauty, the knowledge, the glory, the holiness of Jesus Christ. Because it requires a lot of wisdom and understanding now to discern who has the spirit of Antichrist. You know why? Because many people would have a form of godliness, but, but they deny its power. And that is what Jesus was telling in the parable of the old wine skin. Am I right? When they were telling him, this is the parable. And say, you know, you cannot put uh, a, a, old, a new wine into an old wine skin. It will burst. Meaning, he says, what is your idea of holiness? We always view holiness as just religious piety. We just view holiness. We just view that if I go to church, if I fast, those are not bad. I encourage you to fast. I encourage you to go to church. But if these are your measurements of holiness, this is how would you measure people. I don't want that to be a care group leader because he doesn't attend now. Da, 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 da. But have you seen the potential of that person? I am here because someone invested in me. Someone gave his life for me. And I'll be somewhere where I, God wants me to be because someone believes in me. Someone invested their life in me. Pastor Noel is here because someone invested in his life. Have you invested your life to someone? Or you just see that someone now, but you never see the potential of that someone. I hope, my dear brothers and sisters, as we obey, as we have faith and we have love and we obey Jesus, obey Jesus Christ, we have that obedience. I hope part of that obedience is this. We would be able not to see what is that person now but we will see what will that person be in the future. Because the reason why I'm here, because someone saw my future. They did not see the true one, me, the, you know, the whatever me there. Whenever we see people, that's the way to disciple someone. I see 
a beautiful future for you. And we have all beautiful future because our future are in Christ. Ano bang future hinihingi nyo lahat na kay Jesus? It's all about Jesus. You know, that's what I'm saying. If you have future in Jesus Christ, why, what are you worried about? Whether you attain all the good things here on earth or not, at the end of the day, you will get all that glory with Jesus Christ. And so we all have that beautiful future. And so going back, we need to discern that. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to discern who has the spirit of the Antichrist. In fact, in 2 Timothy, it reads, But understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures, brothers, lovers, lovers of God. Now, question. Are these sins listed here, an exhaustive list of sins? No. You would agree with me that the devil is so creative that every day, as I speak right now, another sin is created. You know, sin is very creative. They're all, all forms of evil everywhere. But here's the thing in verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. There are so many things that it appears to be holy, but they're not. What is your standard of holiness? Of course, definitely we will not do this. But are you just here just for religious piety? When I say religious piety, you're just becoming so religious. But do you really love God? Have you really received Jesus Christ? Is your Christianity a privatized Christianity? That's my challenge. Have you really invested in someone? I've been keep repeating that. Have you really truly discipled someone? You do not need to disciple. I cannot disciple all of you. Definitely not. It's impossible. Have you said, I want to invest my life to that someone because that someone, I see the future of that someone, a great future of that someone. Don't see now. Yung young person, I was, oh, we were in a party last night, you know, um, a brother said, you know, ito pong uh, pamangkin ko, you know, my, my nephew says this and that, you know, and I told the brother, I said, we've all been like that, right? But by the grace of God, God brought us all through. Don't see the sin now. See the future if you disciple, if you just invest your life to that someone. And so we need to see that. That could be a spirit of Antichrist, you know, that we are holier than thou. That we see, ah, we will not, we will not disciple that. Ngayon palang kita mo, that attending church, dami. Wait, 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 wait. Have you seen the potential of that person. We see and qualify person now. We do not see the qualification and what will that person be in the future. May mga anak ba kayong pasaway? Don't see them now. See them in the future. Don't give up on them. Because if you give up on them, you become a dream stealer to them. You become a dream stealer to them. If you think you have a pasaway na anak, I don't know what pasaway, you know, a true one son or whatever, disobedient child. Parents, don't give up on them. Pray, pray. The Lord is not yet done. Because it could be very holy in the appearance. Because you said, anak, that's wrong. Wow, very holy si nanay, very holy si tatay. Anak, that's wrong. We should not do that. But have you ever told your son or have you ever told that people, person to disciple? Where are you going through? Where are you now? How can I help you? How can I be there? How can I invest my life to you? And in that, imbibing, as I've mentioned, a fale or a manieba theology. And I'll end there because I want to encourage you today that our faith could not be taken, it's not, does not exist in a vacuum. Our faith must be expressed in love and that love must have an expression as well in obedience. And that obedience is characterized by also our faith. It's intertwined. It's inextricably linked. It goes together. 
Indeed, my dear brothers and sisters, we need to come to the Lord and ask that He would empower us with His love. He would give us that love for one another, investing that life for one another, and obey Him. Walk in holiness. Walk in His righteousness. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. And thank you, Father, for your reminder that you love us. And that as we truly confess this truth, that we received you in our heart, and we pray that prayer of acceptance, of accepting you, it is not just mere words. It is not a poetry. It is life to us. It means wholeheartedly, devotedly, passionately living out our faith in you, ardently for you. And Lord, teach us in that faith of surrendering our life to you, teach us to ardently, passionately love others. Invest our life to someone. Not to see at this moment the difficulty, the challenges of that person, but believe that you have a future for your children. And even to our wayward children, even to our disobedient children, we should not see them now. We should see, Lord God, your promise of a future to our children. Even our care, even our friends, even our parents, even those people that we love, Lord, give us that vision to see who will they be in you. And Lord, teach us to obey. Obey to walk in righteousness. Obey to walk in holiness. Obey you to love others. Lord, we are in the last days. You are teaching us this. And so Father, today encourage your people. May we have that love for one another. May we have that hope that our future is secure in you, that we have eternal life. And Lord, forgive us if we have not seen the future even to our own children, to our friends, and to those people whom you have entrusted to us. Father, empower us, encourage us to live out your truth, your word. This is not a privatized Christianity. This is about you and proclaiming your gospel. We worship you and glorify you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's all stand to receive the benediction. May the love of God, the saving power of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit be with you all now until He comes. In the mighty name of our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God will respond with amen. 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 God bless you, everyone. Have faith, love God, and obey Him.